Hello, everybody. How are you guys doing today? Back at it with another episode, this time with my best friend, Mar. We're like in a cabin in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania, um, just kind of enjoying the scenery, enjoying being with each other. We kind of like made five years this year, so it's kind of a big deal. So it's kind of nice taking a trip together. Um, but yeah, we've been wanting to do an episode for a while, and it's just seemed like the perfect time to line up. Um, say what's up to the people, Mar. Hi. <laughs> Happy to be here. Isn't your voice lovely, yo? <laughs> um, yeah, Mar is one of my closest, closest, closest people in my life living in Philly. Um, and today we're going to just talk about loosely like ideas about self-definition and how art has played a role in that process for us um, from early stages and our exposure to art to now as adults living in Philadelphia and our respective jobs. So. I'm excited to have this kind of conversation. Um, it's a lot of different things that have been flowing through my head lately, and I couldn't think of a better, more perfect time to kind of like digest some of these ideas as we close out the end of the season of unraveling, um, but also like close out the end of the year. So, yeah, let's get into it. <laughs> um, a lot of these ideas were coming up for me this week specifically because um, of Kwanzaa. So happy holidays to everybody. Happy Kwanzaa. Um, today is actually, I usually don't do my, um, like time markers with these episodes because then it kind of like reveals how either how soon or how late I recorded them. But for the sake of like where my brain has been at, you know, this is the third day of Kwanzaa, um, you know, Ujima, which is like collective building. And this is my first year celebrating Kwanzaa, um, and I've been meditating on the previous days, like the first day, um, Umoja, which is about unity, and then as well as like the following day, Kuchichagulia. I'm most likely saying that wrong, because um, I'm on tape. Now, if I wasn't on tape, I probably said it right, but um, you know, the first two days were really like pivotal for me in thinking about a lot of stuff. Um, you know, as a black person, of course, but as someone who has found community in different folks and different people, like how do we think about, you know, growth within unity and what it means to build bonds across different relationships? Um, but then, you know, vice versa, how does self-determination play a role in that? And I think that it's really easy for unity to kind of take on the uh, the the mask of like absence of self absence of self-determination but one thing that I've really enjoyed reflecting um in the cabin lately with you is like how it's through these bonds and through community that we build and we cultivate that we find language that helps us describe who we are and the person we strive to be um on an internal but of course external level um, so that's kind of where my head is at loosely about self-determination. Um, what has been your connection or discovery to, with self-determination? And I guess for like a blanket statement, it's like self-determination kind of is about how do you define yourself and define, you know, your placement in this world in terms of what you feel is important to you and how you want to move forward in the future in that manifestation. That's a very big question. I know. I've been <laughs> lately, I've been kind of, I'm having difficulty easing into the big questions. With my conversation with Victoria, I kind of just 
went for the jugular. So I guess like that's where I'm at. Yeah. I guess just what I'm thinking about in relation to everything that you just said is that I think that we're having a bit of a, or I anticipate us having a bit of a conversation about values and also self, I mean, what? how did you phrase it? Actualization. Mm -hmm. But also, like, I think that you and I privately have a lot of conversations around, like, identity and, like, discovering identity to be, like, you know, more specific about it. Like, gender is a big one for us and um, gender as a way to move toward self-actualization, I guess, or self-discovery in some regard. Um, to be clear, so self-determination is... Because I just I made that definition off off the cuff. But okay. Google says self determination is the process by which um, an entity or a person controls their own life and determines the statehood um, of who they of how they would like to be governed or realized. And then self actualization, which to me are very similar, but I think they're they differ in kind of like how you manifest that thing. So it's like self-determination feels like a declaration of like how you see this being shaped versus google says self-actualization is the realization of the realization or fulfillment of one's talents and potential potentialities especially considered as a drive or need present in everyone i feel like for me in a way that i feel like i do it backwards from you <laughs> like i feel like i i do the process of trying something out without knowing how to name it or define mm. it and through through that process of trying to live something out or in the case of making like making the thing and being like I know that I'm like if I'm making a ceramic object or something like in the past I've definitely made a sculpture and said, I'm making this. I know I made that. I made like a tombstone that says eat my dust on it. And I added this like cocoon to the side of it. And I couldn't, you know, there's like general ideas around like what a cocoon could represent that I was toying with. But that a lot of times the things I'm thinking about are a little on the nose. Mm -hmm. And so I knew I added it. And I was not trying to think too hard about why I added it because it felt like it was going to be too obvious of a thing or I might end up writing some words on it that I would have regretted writing on it or something. And I just said, I know I did that for a reason and I'll like figure it out later. And I just let myself go through the process of actually making the object. And then it wasn't until like that object has sat in my studio for a couple of years that I think I text you over the summer saying, I think I figured out what Eat My Dust is about. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really cool piece, y'all. It's very cool. And and so I don't think that I work on naming something or starting to, like, define it. Well, yeah, define it, I guess. Or give it a name or give it any – I feel like naming it feels like setting something, like finalizing something or – fixing it in some kind of state and i'm afraid of doing that too soon which if 
if you do that too soon, to me personally, it feels like that you can't go back and change your mind. And I know that that's not true, but that's how it's a lot harder for me personally to name something or give something a rigid definition and then allow myself to go back and return to it and allow that definition to change, particularly if other people are involved in the process, because then I feel like I have to explain it to somebody else that the definition has changed. (laughs) And that's, I think, how for like things regarding myself has also been how a lot of that has played out. But I would like to politely push back only because, of course, like I see you in a similar but also very different way than how you see yourself. And I think you have this very deep intuition that is just like unwavering. And I think in the past couple of years has come out more obvious. It's like uh, when it's a cloudy day and these rays of the sun just kind of poke through. And I think the rays are getting stronger and brighter, um, but it's still kind of cloudy. And I think that self-definition can look different for everybody, of course. But I still, I don't know, I still see it as we're doing the same thing. Um, I think that you have like this beautiful attraction to stuff and then you're just like figuring it out along the way. But I think there's still something that you're claiming something intuitively that you're defining and it's really rough but it's just getting more refined over time um but i think that we often talk about how we do things the hard way first or the long way first um that's our share our share trait (laughs) (laughs) um but i still i still think no less maybe i ramble and talk about stuff and name stuff more easily I think there's it's a lot of similarities in how I see you move through spaces. Because you could just like I'm trying to think of an example, but you could just like see something and in that moment it might be relevant to how you feel right in that second and it's accurate, but like as you're an evolving person and healing, like that thing begins to of course feel antiquated. But I I, I think you're still pretty spot on when you're like throwing darts at what you think you're doing yeah i think that and i'm not necessarily saying that you and i do something like backwards or completely different i think you and i have a really similar way of processing things but i think you it seems to me like you figure it out through (laughs) verbalizing it and like wrestling with the Mm -hmm. like with it in that very like throw everything out on the table look at the words, rearrange the words, define the words type of way. And I feel like maybe I'm doing it in a very feelings-based mm-hmm. way mm-hmm. that then I'm not ready to apply words to mm-hmm. it until I have spent time feeling the feeling of it mm-hmm. and then deciding which of those – which words are the most precise to apply to it <laughs> is maybe the way that I'm thinking about it. Do you think that this process of just feeling and doing art has been a vehicle for helping you figure out aspects of how you define yourself or determine yourself? Yeah, definitely. I think I think my own art making practice 
has felt like that in the past maybe five within the past five year window it felt like I've accessed that place in terms of my own object making anyway like that's the time in my life when I felt like the type of objects sculptures whatever that I've made has felt like an avenue for that I don't know that I don't know that my own personal making practice has always felt like that. But I think my connection to other forms of art have also... Just art in general. Yeah, been a really big piece of it. I think going to look at art with you has been a very big piece in that just because of the way that our, that the two of us together... I think your verb, your way of... When we go look at art together and you start verbalizing what you're seeing while I am experiencing... A total lack of so words. Just me as a chatterbox. <laughs> kind of, but it's sort of like I'm standing there feeling feelings about it that I can't put into words. And then you are pointing out the things that I couldn't, that it would take me two more weeks to put to any kind of coherent language to. Like you are saying to me then, and then I'm able to be like, it, it speeds up my processing a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and makes don't mean to rush you <laughs> <laughs> that's not what i'm saying no, I'm, I'm just kidding i'm just kidding but like looking at art with you feels like it feels like combining the two of our skills and the two of our like eyes mm -hmm. in a way that are very compatible with each other art in general is something that we easily you know relate to through each other and i think that that has been a really cool way to just on the surface just be like oh wow our brains operate in similar orbits you know and that makes me feel validated in how my brain works you know yeah and I also think that the biggest way that like any form of art has ever started to contribute to this to me has been through like story and language or stories and like particularly for you and I watching TV together, watching <laughs> movies together, and then by extension realizing that like our appreciation and our analyzation of stories <laughs> is a way that we figure things out for ourselves personally has, I think, been a really big part of our relationship. <laughs> no, I agree. I agree. I think one of the earlier memories that stands out is when 30 Americans came to Philly and we were at the barns right when it basically opened and um I remember being like encapsulated with that I forgot what piece that is but I remember it was towards the end and it's a piece that doesn't have much setup but it was like basically like concrete the sculpture yeah and it was the John Henry sculpture. yeah exactly uh, yep and um I just remember just nerding out about it on our walk back home when we were talking about that it. That was definitely a time where I was like, because that's a sculpture that, like, I love minimalist sculpture, mm -hmm. but I also feel equally really frustrated by minimalist sculpture because it feels like, like, I know I'm going to be so satisfied when I figure out what's going on there, and I know that I 
am going to be so excited when I figure that out, but I get am so frustrated by not just being told. And like sometimes when I hear other people talk about how they want to experience art, I'm like, oh man, I am one of those people that does kind of just want to be told what's going on. And that's not entirely true, but I do get really frustrated with the process of trying to figure out a sculpture that like is indirect in what it's trying to tell you. I I do agree. I think some of our best moments are when we, you know, are visiting art and is shaping us, you know, um, touch on a little bit more of like maybe the way art has been a space for us with like figuring out who we are because I think like it's really easy to kind of for anybody who's out in the world and maybe doesn't have as much of an immediate entry point into art to be like either you're born with an analyzing art or you're not and I think sometimes that can create you know an isolating bubble around the field about who's in it and who's not what art how art has the power to impact and transform your life and open you up in ways that you might not have expected you know but that's only for a select few people and I think that that's not necessarily true um I think we talked a little bit about this off air but you know I feel like for me at least like I end up pursuing art because it was the one field I felt like was the least restrictive in who I could be. And so even though I didn't know who I wanted to be, I felt like I would have this space to like validate my own intelligence and my own contributions in this world. Whereas any other field, I wouldn't feel like I had that um, space to determine myself. And so I don't know. I just felt like I ain't got no other options. Like, I think I wouldn't be really good at anything else. That's kind of like, you know, some of the stuff my mom and I talked about on a previous episode. But I think, like, I don't think it's that cut and dry um, where it's like, ooh, I'm an artist. So then I became this person. But I, I just think, like, I was way open to more things that I might have wanted out of my life because in art we're shaping everything we want to make you know everything we make does not exist and we're bringing it to life and so I think just that that lifestyle made me more open to stuff that I wanted for myself you know in Chicago I felt like you know when I was in high school and the friends I ran with that were like also like we were doing art stuff um you know, we were kind of pushing each other, but it still was kind of competitive like sports. It it didn't feel like we were, it, you know, in private, it felt like we were kind of getting at some more intimate stuff and trying to be the person who we wanted. But it still felt kind of like sports where it's just like you just do really well in this craft and then you get good and then people pick you to be on their team, you know. Um, but it's just like as I got into college, it, it just opened up into something way more vulnerable where it was just like a lot of the self-discovery was happening way outside of the studio. Um, and it was helping me make choices about how I want my life to be. And I don't think that really would have been possible for me, at least in any other profession. Yeah, I think that my experience, I still feel like the way that I I think it still took me a really long time after 
school even to have art feel like something like that for me like around what time it was many years after i graduated because once i was then going to school for ceramics even though then i had made this conscious decision to go to school for art i think i then i went to a school that was very devoted to craft in a particular way and i i think that rather than than i knew that i was attracted to the type of work that was i knew I was really attracted to conceptual art i didn't really know how to access that for myself but I did know that I could be really good at trying to figure out the technicalities of this medium. And the medium is so technical. Ceramics is so like, like I was taking a kiln building class that was about like math. And then I was taking, like I was learning things that were like how to fire kilns, how to mix a glaze, like things that were very like follow, try to follow very, steps, very, yeah, you know, like, jargon based. yeah, and they weren't, I didn't. I felt like I was trying really, really hard to make conceptual work. And I think that some of my teachers and mentors were doing the best they could to try to nurture that in me, but their work was also not really about that. Like they were very, a lot of them were very like, they were wood fire nerds that like loved glaze and stuff. And that's great for them, but they did, they were trying their best to help me build the things that I wanted out of my work, but they were limited in their ability to do that because that's not how they were thinking about their own work. And so I kind of felt stuck and then I couldn't figure out how to get unstuck in it. And then when I graduated, I felt a little resentful for a couple of years about my experience in art school because I just wished that I had had I wished that I had had more art history because mm -hmm. I thought that that was one avenue in which I could have been challenging myself intellectually a bit more rather than trying to learn how to figure out this medium mm. and I resented my mentors at the school for not being able to be what I needed them to be mm. Yeah. How did you make the jump to the little boxes? Because it feels like, of course, like I've seen older versions of your work, but I don't know. I just always thought with time that stuff was always there. But it seems like the boxes that it does. It does a lot of what you said that it your work wasn't previously doing. It does really well in those tiny little boxes. What are they called? Worry boxes. Mm -hmm. Um. I think that was like a very early rendition of, I don't even know if I've ever shown you any of my work from when I was in like undergrad. Very bits and pieces. I was trying really hard to make, at that time, figurative work. And I loved Beth Kavner. Um, and she did a workshop at, at KU the year after I graduated and I went back to Kansas to see her because I just liked what she was doing conceptually with animals uh, and didn't know how to 
take what I learned from her and apply it without just doing what she's doing. Mm -hmm. And that's just, that kept being my Mm -hmm. issue with Mm -hmm. making something conceptual was that I liked, I loved the way that I saw other artists do it. And I didn't know how to do it for myself without like repeating doing it in the way that they were doing it. Mm -hmm. And that if I tried to do something conceptual with my work, it felt like I was being too on the nose, too direct. And I didn't know how to like access like my own visual language and like symbolism, I guess. Mm -hmm. And the way that I got to those worry boxes was kind of a process of still jumping through some of that because I worked for Rob Lugo for a couple of years making his work and I knew what his work was about and I knew what types of like historical references he was drawing from. And because I worked for him full time, it was hard to spend all day long making his work, making patterns, thinking about the ways that he's like thinking about and being knowledgeable about what he's referencing in order to like replicate certain patterns and and everything in his work and not bring that back into my studio practice. And then again, I felt like I was trying to make my own work, but I was still pulling too much from too directly from somebody else's. Mm -hmm. But you don't think that the worry boxes are yours? I think the worry boxes were maybe one of the first things that became mine. Like I started making drawings and I think I was pulling some of that visual or some of that um figurative things that I was referencing. I was trying to pull from what I was doing in undergrad and just pulling like how do I use some things from the figurative stuff that I was working in and then I was just making it into like disembodied hands or mm-hmm. something like that and start pulling that into it as as drawings because then I was thinking about Greek pots having people on them and things like that. Is there a point of work that does feel really like yours since then? I think the stuff that feels like the most mine, I pulled entirely away from trying to represent feelings by showing a person experiencing a feeling Mm -hmm. and instead started making objects and the object that I chose to build had symbolic meaning and then I like to put words in it and the words that I chose I selected for particular reasons and it wasn't until I moved away from really like direct forms of representation that the work started to feel like it was mine I can understand that I feel from an outside perspective that the boxes feel completely different than other works you've made because I've seen like like the plates you made with grasshoppers or like the pitcher or even the little cups like all of those feel like more copycats of like other things going on that were influenced you but the boxes feel at least from an outside perspective really like a beautiful blend of your love for history and it's kind of interesting you said that you feel like you feel resentful of not having enough art history, but I think you're like probably one of the people that knows the most, um, in my opinion. Um, and I think that is a defining part of who you are. I think that that 
is a core aspect of like at least how I see you show up in our conversations like analyzing art and stuff but I think also like the boxes feel like this cute little intimate vulnerable space like physically a manifestation of intimate vulnerable space in a way where actual like vases and pots don't do that um but then also like again like it does have a lot of heavily heavy imagery that could easily be identifiable with other um historical forms but to me it it stands out as one of the things that feels iconic to who you are yeah i know the boxes were something that wasn't trying that was one of the first things i made of that style that wasn't like trying to recreate a vase form or something Mm -hmm. that i'd already seen and it was clearly representing it was clearly pulling from like architectural things Mm -hmm. but like it was a box of my own design i guess Mm -hmm. and there's like a lot of like intelligence and warmth that you bring to that set i feel like with the the duality of like the black on a terracotta versus the white on a terracotta. But I do think that like your non-ceramic work has been doing that more successfully too. Like the way you think about designing clothes for yourself with crocheting and even that, you know, historical mat that you've been working on and off for. Um, can you maybe share a little bit about those pieces? I mean, when I went to school for ceramics, it was like, that's what I know. That's what I'm good at. That's what I've defined as being mine and is crucial to my identity, Mm -hmm. too. And I've kind of let go a little bit of that and was like, that is a material that I know a lot about that I really like and care about, really love and care about, but also that the ideas that I have creatively, if they are not best expressed in that medium, that's also okay. And I think that a place that I was getting stuck a lot before was trying to make a ceramic piece and then fit the idea I was having into the material and maybe that's just never what I've needed to do to begin with. So I started making like what you were referencing, like a paper piece I've been making. I'm definitely still not even close to finished with making a paper piece that's a doormat that's supposed to look like those brown bristly doormats. And it's made of, I bought a roll of craft paper and then I've been cutting the craft paper into strips and then fraying the strips all the way down and then rolling them up and gluing them together. And then once I have enough of those pieces, we'll glue all of them together on a cork board or a piece of wood or something like that and make it look like one of those brown bristly doormats. And the plan has always been to write I would anything for love on that. Do you want me to go into why? <laughs> I think it's like a really beautiful piece, mostly because like it keeps evolving over time. Um, yeah. I think it starts from a very like 
challenging space of like insecurity and deep desire to be wanted until its current iteration feels like a metamorphosis of like a testimony to yourself about love um which is why i think it's like really brilliant and again like re-emphasizes this idea that i keep coming back to about art being a pathway of self-discovery and self-definition you know like and that's why like though the boxes feel like not a true testimony of who you are i think it's like to me a, a big step in this staircase you know a building towards not only you as an appreci- appreciator of art and a maker, you know, an art historian, a writer, a curator, just like a fucking human being, you know, like somebody who's open to change and open to self-discovery. And I feel like that's something really cool. Yeah. You know? I feel like you see the seed of that in those boxes in a way that I didn't necessarily because they're not a piece that I've returned to the way that I have most of the work since then. And that's okay. Yeah, it doesn't have to be. Like I think, I don't know. Like it, it was something so different when you made them. Like they were so similar but so different and so you. Like I mean, to me, I feel like a lot of it had to do with the naming of them Mm -hmm. because then immediately you were like, "Why are they worry boxes?" Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I was like, "Well." (laughs) well i don't know and then i was able to describe why eventually so i guess it was the first time that i named something and then i came back to it and was like there is a reason i did that yeah i don't know i mean like they just because to some people i feel like you can be perceived as closed off and that those boxes are just so ornate and so well cared for but messy and like you got to put the lid on correctly like or it won't fit like it's so much of you in that piece like I don't even fucking think about the fact that they're Greek related I mean that's like kind of an afterthought and it's just like seeing you make more stuff since then like the eat my dust um like when you were building a tombstone I was clearly like there's some deep inner workings happening here. <laughs> but I felt know. like you didn't understand or you were like, I want you have that. <laughs> You're like, I'm not sure how I feel. To be honest with you, I've applied to multiple shows with that piece. And I think a lot of people have been like, I don't know about that. No, but Eat My Dust is like the best phrase you could put on it. Especially I at did the period make of time. that piece. That piece has evolved a lot over time, like I said. Yeah. And that when I made that piece, that piece was something that I made from a very angry, mm-hmm. resentful mm-hmm. place. Mm-hmm. But I put that little cocoon mm-hmm. on it. Yeah. And I knew I did that for a reason. And I knew that I was trying to play with the tombstone and make it light. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know how to like describe it in a way to people to be like, I am making light of something serious. But I didn't know how to tell people what I was doing with it. But and so I mean, people perceived it as being like I mean, it, in my opinion, <laughs> in my opinion, it's everything is working there. And I'm not just saying that as your friend. I mean, it's very similar to the John Henry situation, you know, where you're like so dead on an idea until it's like 
you know, your demise. But what what is the the silver lining in that? You know, what is the the cocoon emerging kind of like or cocoon emergence in that aspect that is just like makes it all worth it, even in the the, the blind, you know, stubbornness, you know, and it's just like there's a level of cockiness that is just like unmatched that you can't like because it's not like saying fuck off you know like it's not it, there's nothing vulgar there's nothing like explicit it's literally eat saying, my dust is so silly yes yo, <laughs> it's like oh my god like and i think that is a testament to your personality to a fucking team bro like you will tell somebody to fuck off but you're more likely to be like my dust (laughs) you know and i think that there's something like incredibly like generous with that vulnerability in a way that's like only getting more potent as you find more materials to work with not just with ceramics or visual art but even like now with writing you know and like exploring that as a material to like you know, find self-discovery, but also, like, manifest that shit, you know? How do you not only say, like, that's who I want to be, but actually be that, you know? Yeah, I think that with writing, which is, like, a newer way that I've wanted to express my creative practice or a new way of – a new avenue I've wanted to take, writing feels especially scary because I think it's me trying to go ahead and put words where, like – whereas with, like, the the – works of art that I've made that like maybe incorporate words or something like eat my dust or like the trophies that I've made or like the paper piece we're referring to all have words in them but are also about this like feelings place and this like experiential part of it like if I can just like dial back to and go back to like the the paper piece is about the making of it. Mm-hmm. And that was another piece that I started making from a sort of like bitter place mm-hmm. about like relationships mm-hmm. and Oh yeah, love. we can get into the layers like to be a a, a physical doormat, a living doormat. Yeah, like that love, piece was about know? the actual like labor involved in making it. The, the way that I chose to make it was a testament to our like try it the hard way first thing that you'd mentioned that like I'm going to do it the hard way before I ever do it the smarter easier way first but that I did on purpose was like this hurts my hands to make it's frustrating it takes a really long time I've the reason it's been like years of me making it is partly because I just put it down because for like an entire year I just don't want to make it and it's just sort of like the fact that it is so torturous to make with such a piece of it and was like had something to do with my experience of love in certain contexts or like romantic love in certain contexts that I would just torture myself for very 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 long periods of time (laughs) And I think that when when I had the realization about what the piece was about was over this summer, too, that I told you about it. And I was like, oh, the whole reason I'm making it, too, is that despite all of this time and energy and pain that's going into, like, building this thing, that if I think about times that I've 
approached romantic or approached some form of love in the same way, all it amounts to is this like shaky foundation builds this like I'm building this doormat that if you stepped one single foot on it would crush it ruin it it would not be able to perform the function that it was intended to and then I was like that's what the piece is entirely about I find this so interesting because even in that aspect like as a love offering you're making a doormat so like even at its like foundational level like it's meant to be disregarded yeah because i think there's like there's ways that i've i think that a lot of people can relate to just sort of showing mm-hmm. up in romantic relationships very willing to kind of like give everything up about themselves mm-hmm. or like give everything to somebody at the expense of themselves and actually build something that You don't even notice because you've put so much time and labor into building something that you don't even notice that that it wasn't a strong foundation to begin with. Mm. And that's what felt so, like, powerful about that piece to me and, like, helpful to me personally. And I think that's what I do with some of my work is just I experience art and I make art as a way to figure out like why I do things and like maybe to undo some of those patterns and Mm -hmm. (laughs) in this in this case for Mm -hmm. for sure Mm -hmm. how to like I think with this and with like eat my dust those are two Mm -hmm. really strong pieces for me that of of work that I've made that has been very much about me trying to express really like things that I'm really really struggling with that like I ideally really like to move past and not struggle with anymore and like find some peace about (laughs) and move on from I think what's really interesting though is like a a beautiful complimentary item to the doormat in my opinion is the sweaters you've been working on like I think that there's something that's like a reverse, like, um, it's an item for yourself, you know? And like, I know how clothing has been a very evolving process for you in general, but specifically right now. And to like be the one making clothes for yourself and still getting it wrong is like something that I think is like symbolically incredible. And like having to undo it. Literally unravel it, which actually the the title for this show came from Mar <laughs> talking about undoing one of their sweaters. But, you know, I think that there's something really, really like it's just an interesting pair between the sweaters and the doormat because the doormat is like, at least how I perceive it, is an act of making an object that is symbolic of a relationship with somebody else. And so it's almost like an object that is an output versus the sweaters feel like an an object that's an input, you know? And, you know, this, this idea of self-definition, I feel like, I don't think you would have the level of care with how you make sweaters right now for yourself 
without having the experience of making the doormat because at least in my opinion the doormat was just like this this aggressive labor of like kind of manipulative toxic love you know like this this like this unbalance of love but like these sweaters they take time and they take you know patience but it's all like from a very strong place of care for oneself that I think now as you revisit the door mat series that care and love will now show up yeah I think it's interesting to think of the sweaters because partly just because although the doormat and like the tombstone those were all still pieces that I guess I'm making with the thought of showing people in a different way than I show clothes necessarily like me wearing it's still like showing oh, don't people. let them fool you yo. Mara's a whole Instagram model <laughs> they will true. be giving a spin for everybody <laughs> <It's not. laughs> <Real>. <laughs> Gerald just likes me a lot um the the sweaters were sort of like you know like I wasn't making those with the intention of them pe- being this like piece that goes in if I even was the kind of artist to have a website which I'm not (laughs) now presently currently yet or I'm not presently somebody with that kind of like presence as an artist but I wouldn't think of putting the sweaters there like I still think they're a really big like I, I can see I don't think that was the intention when I was making them it's partly that my mom taught me to crochet when I was a kid and I learned how to knit in high school and I live in a household as you know with my beloved roommate Natasha who also makes clothing for herself and we're both very crafty individuals and so I still think there was a level of care in deciding that I'm going to knit a sweater was one like a very intellectual challenge that I liked for myself but it also just gets to be mine, especially knitting a sweater. I haven't even finished the sweater either. But the you s- haven't finished the door now, the doormats either. No, I have not. <laughs> <laughs> but the sweater was something that was challenging, and also all these measurements need to be taken beforehand and during to figure out if it fits your own body. And like you said, that was. Like, there was a lot of care that had to go into, like, deciding that. So I, I made the measurements with just a measuring tape and tried to imagine, like, how would I imagine wanting a sweater to drape over me by having nothing but, like, a measurement around my chest and a measurement around my waist and a measurement around my arms. And that I think for me it was very satisfying because as somebody who, like, regardless of gender being even a piece of this has always found it's like very difficult to find clothing. I've always had like, I have always had a very hard time finding clothing that feels satisfying on me. It's that I needed to fit my arms in a particular way, but I have very like strong upper arms that I, that 
are n- I mean, I guess this is also me maybe overthinking like <laughs> clothing is not made They're to not. fit anybody. It's not. I just listened to a whole other podcast about I know. this. I know. Um and so I made the whole body and the body fits exactly the way that I want it to. And then I made one sleeve. And I made the sleeve the right way, but I made the sleeve it's just too small. And I just knew that if it fits my torso the way I like, I was creating a sweater that was fitting in the way that made-to-wear clothing has always frustrated me, where it fits you didn't my do anything torso different. the way yeah. that I want, but it doesn't fit my bulky arms, my big muscles, the way Hot muscles. that I want it to. And so I've made... The pr- exact problem that I've always found in clothing. And so I have unraveled that whole arm. <laughs> and then I put it down and I haven't worked on it because now it's really hard to make the arms. I want to circle back to something you said earlier. You were talking about how like... I wouldn't put this on my website if I had one. <laughs> I'm just like, nobody here is talking about art that always needs to be on a website, you know? Like, no, that I know. capital A academia. No, and it's not a cut at you for saying it, but more of just like, the art that ends up having the most impact on us might not be the art that we think it is supposed to be, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, and I think that's more of what I, I'm trying to get at. And I don't know. I think that there's something really beautiful about like, it being practical, of course, like you're literally just trying to find something that keeps you warm. Um, but then on another layer is something that literally is tailored to your body. But then on a deeper layer that like is affirming, you know, across like gender, like spectrums beyond like anything else that feels complicated in the world, you know? And I think that's what self-definition is you know know not to beat a dead horse but i think that's what that is yo and clearly this is gerald verbalizing stuff as you said in the beginning as you feel it through and that might be what's (laughs) happening right now so but (laughs) i think what's so interesting to me is that i'm relating it to because i'm i'm trying to think through what i'm struggling with with like right now the current projects that i'm working on that are like articles of clothing for myself or that sweater that I started last year and that I never made the arms for and a sweater vest that I've been crocheting for myself this year that's like a I watched Wednesday the tv show on Netflix and then decided that because she wore a couple of really cute black and white checker print crocheted sweater vests that I needed one but I am halted with both of these projects for the same reason, which is that I am worried that I invested all this time in these things that once I complete them, I will feel immense disappointment because they are not gender affirming to my body that I don't, won't know what to do with that. (laughs) Um, Damn, it's like another fucking doormat. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I <laughs> but I don't have to wear the doormat you know <laughs> I mean to be very 
transparent too with like people listening. It's like when I made the sweater, I wasn't on testosterone. I didn't know I was trans. And I tried to, and when I was picking it, I knew I was trying to pick something that was like not a super femme cut sweater because I knew that I wouldn't want to wear it. But when I'm looking at it now, I don't know how I'm going to feel when the arms are on that sweater or how it's going to feel when I wear it. Damn. And that feels really scary to me. But, I, but it also Do you like, think that stops you from finishing it? Yeah. But I think that to try to like to try to not be stretching the metaphor too much. We're here now, bro. I think that I'm trying to channel the same type of like bravery to go ahead and finish it and to finish the vest. The vest I'm worried about because I also worry it's not going to fit properly and I haven't spent nearly as much time on that. That's been a very quick project, but I'm worried about the same outcome. But deciding that I want to start writing. As, I was going to come back to writing. I had a yeah. question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Deciding to start writing, I think, is in a very similar way. Like, I'm trying to channel this bravery to go ahead and give words to describe verbally the things that I'm experiencing before I've, like, felt it all or you know i i try to like cushion or like i think it's a form of trying to make myself feel like i figured it out like i don't want to put any words to it because i when i put the words to it i want it to be the right ones and i want it to be finalized and then there's nothing wrong with it anymore. There's nothing I would change. And and I know that that's not realistic and that's not the way that I'll ever feel about anything. But you know that's how the that's how I approached this cabin trip. It's just like how I approach everything is I sometimes I'm just like I just need all this time to think everything through. And and I think that trying to make trying to make myself close in this type of way that is that level of time investment that could not work out is really scary and trying to have a writing practice that by definition is entirely about putting some Maybe. words and Maybe. some some words and descriptions to how a piece of art or an experience or something felt to me it was really scary because I started doing the writing as something that was like I was like the way to make it less scary is to say this is for nobody but me but I've been grateful you sent it to me a couple of times I have sent it to you but I feel <laughs> safe sending it sending even raw feelings to you I don't know I think that there's something extremely playful and like watching you discover writing lately that's like not apparent in any other art form that you've tackled that I've seen you in um i.e literally this whole like sweater fiasco <laughs> um or even like the doormat or even like our love for clay I think there's just like 
because it is so immediate, like you really have to contend with on the front end about getting over that. And then you just show up as this, I don't know, like this little butterfly, bro. And just like, kind of like, you know, I love a butterfly (laughs) metaphor lately. Mariposa, you know, (laughs) Um, but you know, just like kind of sprinkling in what you think in such a casual way, because it's already written down. I feel like you're taking yourself less serious because you're just like, well, it's permanent. So we just got to go with it and just write it out versus like something that feels like on the front end, it's like more methodical and you're slowly building to something being permanent. The fact that you're writing it down, is already permanent. Like, I don't know. I feel like you're treating it like a draft. And I think that I'm seeing you be more playful than I've seen you in any other platform. And I think that's, been a little bit more like the more writings you show me i think you're being more overt with your thoughts and being more like this is what i think is going on this is what i think is working and so i think you're in the process getting more to the point about what's going on in a place and stating your claim about what you think is happening in a way that's just like eat my dust take it or leave it kind of thing um but it it also is like it's it's changing you, you know? It's it's changing how you operate in the world on a very subtle way. And I I really like it. Yeah. I think that writing especially is something that has always been so deeply scary to me. But it's also like I mean like the messaging I've received most of my adult life has been like you should write stuff. And that I have always been resistant to because I think maybe a piece of me and still believes because of how I even defined myself at the beginning of this episode was that I'm feeling Z and then I'll add a definition later. I think that's the way I try to like be careful with setting my words in stone, so to speak. It's so funny because I feel like I don't know. I feel like I'm the most subconscious about what I say, but I just so I play it so loose and fast all the time that I don't. But that's something it that doesn't I've, even matter. I, <laughs> I think feel that's, subconscious, but I'm loose and fast. I don't know how that works, but I do. But I think that's something I've learned to be brave about because of you. <laughs> because I've been like. I felt like the best way to be to keep myself most like safe is not to reveal anything until I feel certain, which like you'll never feel certain, you know, and therefore I just like wouldn't reveal things to people. And that would come through in my art and that would come through in my personal life and that would come through like most areas of my life. And so I think that like, I mean, art making was maybe the first place that, like, I started even considering figuring things out in real time in public, in a way. And writing feels like the most brave way to do that of all. You know what I think is actually the most brave way? What? How you dress. You think so? I think so. I think that 
you're in real time. You're always texting me about the way your body is evolving in different aspects. And like in real time, like today, these jeans might feel great and tomorrow they might not, you know? Oh, God. Yeah. But I think that there's just like you balance the aesthetic with the bodily function, but also the bravery of how you know you like you're you're searching for this this feeling that you know to be like esoterically certain, but like having defined. And every day you like dress yourself, you're like, it's an attempt to get closer to that. Mm. And I think some days it's just like you're dealing with real life shit and it's just like it's not. I'm very far from the goalposts. And then some days you're like, I'm like right fucking on it, you know? <laughs> and I think that is the art form actually that I think you're like the most brave and the most like shoot from your hip about. And also the most like respect me, bitch. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know? And I think that like, I see that show up in all these other things, but as you're talking, I'm like, no, how more dresses is actually where that art comes to life. That's very interesting because I, I don't disagree with you. I just never thought of it that way. But it's also partly because I'm not experiencing myself from the outside too. So I think that you probably have anybody have the best outside like analyzation of how I've dressed changing over time. I mean, it's so hot. It's like it's hard to keep up with. <laughs> for me, it's in, for me. It just still feels the same as when I was a kid. Where it's just like we found one pair of shoes that is okay to wear. We're gonna buy five pairs of those shoes, and that's all we're wearing until they feel bad to wear, and then we're switching it up. Yeah, I think you're, like, definitely breaking some of those rules. Like, I feel like you're you're more specific about what you want without actually knowing exactly what you want. And I think that's so hard for you all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I think you just, like, and to me, like, you know, I thought about this way earlier today when we were kind of rapping a little bit about this episode with self-determination. and um one of the people that came to mind that is like my I don't know one of the people I love so dearly is Muhammad Ali and how like he he was really drawn to the idea of faith this is a very roundabout tangent so please hold me to coming back to the idea originally (laughs) but I'm gonna try (laughs) I feel like you know Muhammad Ali was so drawn to this idea of faith but growing up and the atmosphere of Christianity was so prevalent, you know, it never fit right on his body. But he was so, so attuned with himself and was like, there's something, I feel like faith is a part of my body, but this is not the faith that it needs to be. And just like fighting for that feeling without knowing that there's something else out there. And him coming to, you know, Islam and like, it fitting perfectly you know like this moment of like that's essentially what i was talking about before i remember you're just like what i love about you and what i'm comparing to muhammad ali is like fighting for this thing that you instinctively know but actually have no logical like pinpoint on this is exactly where it needs to be you know and like fighting not only bravely about that but just like so confidently and just like 
some days it's like on fire and like this is exactly where I need to be and some days you're just like a little more shaky about it but like I don't know I've always enjoyed that about people who have this connection to their core in a way that's like not perfect by no means but it's just like unwavering and just like I know that this thing is here and it will exist and I will obtain it and it will fit my body so perfectly. But right now I'm just like kind of shooting from the hip. So I figure it out. You know. I think that's a very beautiful way of putting it. And it's not always the way that I perceive my own transition. Because <laughs> as you know, I feel very stuck in the transition-y parts of it. <laughs> you do it so beautifully so it's, it's kind of hard not to perceive it in that way so. I think I really like about our friendship like times when you let me know how you see me mm. and how you see what I'm going through it like it like adds some pers- some outside perspective that makes it like pulls me out from like how it feels like internally for me. I think that's really special. Yeah, I think that that's kind of where my meditation was at the beginning of this trip. You know, thinking about Kwanzaa and unity and like unity is important because it being with people that love you and that you love them and you guys fight to honor each other and and honor each other in healthy ways. It's where you find language that it's it's a part of how you want to describe yourself. You know, you find pieces of yourself in other people and then you collect all those together and then you make it your own. You know? That's what that's one of the beautiful things about unity and this relationship to self-determination. And you know, I don't think I would have had this lens, of course without the field we're in I I think if I was an engineer I wouldn't really know where to begin to think about the expansiveness of like what life is if I was a vet I wouldn't even be having this conversation with you right now (laughs) you do know a lot about animals though bro like I swear you be telling me stuff I'd be like I'm a bit of a knowledge (laughs) I'm a bit of a knowledge sponge but that doesn't necessarily have to do with what we're talking about (laughs) no I think that there's just like something really really special about when you're able to find that connection with folks but also in your own right have an atmosphere that you're in that allows you to be open and expansive to those things because like you could be around people who see you and are giving you information about yourself or language about how you want to describe yourself. But if you're not in a field or in an atmosphere or process that is like leaving you open to that, you're just going to be just as rigid. You know, it's like kind of the whole thing about like you end up gaslighting yourself, you know? Mm-hmm. And that it, that's one of the reasons why I want to record this episode specifically with you, because I just think that like, I want people to feel welcome coming to the arts and however way that's, you know, shows up in their life from how they dress to what music they listen to, to if they physically are making objects, you know, just welcome it into your life because that will lead you to opening up other doors that might be helpful to you 
you know, living a very fruitful and well-defined life, you know? Um, but I, I, I don't know. I would not have had that level of insight, of course, without you being my friend. I feel that way about you too. I think that like, you know, I don't want to like discredit any amount that like I bring to it too, but I think that like, a really big way that I've been able to like experience art and experience like a version of self like actualization in some form has been largely through my experiences of talking through it with you, whether it's about personal things or about art or about our own art or about somebody else's art. Like, the way that I, I've said it to you before, but the way that I like the sensitivity that I bring to like analyzing a piece of art or the, I think some of the things that you claim to like, like love about me are things that I've learned through conversation with you about how to put words like how to pick the right words to say exactly what I mean about something I've seen or something that I feel has been a really big part of like shaping who I am becoming and who I want to become and like without Without the relationship that I've built with you, I don't think I would have the same like sensitivity and like level of awareness of myself and how I experience things at all. Because I've like learned a lot from just how I interact with you and how I see you experience the world, and I see you bringing. And what you perceive from me, like, I think a similar thing seems to be happening to you. I'm not trying to play ping pong <laughs> with this, and I'm I'm going to close it right here. <laughs> I I accept that. I appreciate that. And I really do. Really do. It's the unity piece. I think you deserve to have it. That is the <laughs> final thought of this episode. Um, no, I'm... I'm really, I really like this episode. I think this episode was really hard for me to pin down for multiple reasons. Mostly just like, we could talk about anything, you know. But wanting it to feel like the audience could follow us on a guided path was really important to me. And I think we did that. And I, you know, am energized to, to be able to capture the messiness of you know, this idea of self-determination in a way that's not easy for nobody. And um, on that thought, thank you guys so much for hanging out with us. Um, this is the second to last episode of Unraveling's first season. If you have missed any of the episodes, they are available on Spotify, Apple Music. Well, not Apple Music, but Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon. We're everywhere, bro. And, you know, we're really excited to close out the last episode next week. Um, you know, if you like what you're hearing, 
we would greatly appreciate any and all support. You can become a patron for $3 a month on Patreon. Get cool prizes, cool merch, and ex- access to exclusive content. So definitely thank you guys so much for supporting. And see y'all for next next week's last episode. Peace.